When 34-year-old Adam Kaufman dialed 911 in the early morning hours of November 7, 2007, he sounded hysterical. On the phone, he told the dispatcher that he woke up that morning to find his wife, Lena, slumped in their bathroom, unresponsive and cold. Paramedics rushed to her, but it was too late. Lena Kaufman was dead. So what happened? Adam told police that the only thing that he could think of was that his wife, Lena, had gotten her very first spray tan the night before her death. The two had plans to attend an upcoming wedding, and maybe his wife had some kind of fatal reaction to the tan. But police discovered quite a few things at the scene that may indicate something far more sinister. So the question is, was Lena Kaufman the victim of a strange and tragic medical mystery? Or was that just a cover, and did her husband actually strangle her to death? Welcome back to Avery After Dark. I'm your host, Avery Ross, and today we are back to a true crime case, and it's an odd one, let's just say that. It's commonly referred to in the media as the spray tan murder, and at the center of the case is Lena and Adam Kaufman. There's a lot to break down here. All of this takes place in a suburb of Miami, Florida called Aventura, which is a very nice area. Adam Kaufman was a very successful real estate developer, and he met Eleonora, 33, everyone called her Lena, at a party in 1997 and was immediately taken with her. And the two began dating. Lena herself was a very sophisticated, intelligent woman. Growing up, she lived in five different countries with her family before they landed in Florida. So she spoke Danish, Russian, Hebrew, and some Italian, which is wow. According to friends, Adam found Alina to be very classy and worldly. By 2000, they were married and had two children, a five-year-old named Haley and a two-year-old named Jake. They lived in a really beautiful, nice home. Lena herself was very into working out. She was in great health. And around the time that all of this went down, she had very recently been to her doctor who said that she was in, quote, perfect health. So keep that in mind. And Adam was very successful at work. So from the outside, everything was a dream for this couple. Friends say they seemed to be really happy together, very in love, and a great match. But as it goes in the stories we cover here, it was good until it wasn't. On November 6, 2007, Lena and Adam were preparing for a wedding. Adam's brother, who was actually his twin, was set to get married. Lena was going to be a bridesmaid, and Adam was the best man. That evening, Lena went and got a spray tan in preparation for it. I know my ladies listening will know, but some guys maybe don't. A spray tan, you step into this big booth at a tanning salon, you get sprayed with the tan, and it develops over the next 12 or so hours. So after you get sprayed, you leave sticky and kind of smelling weird, but by the next day, you have a really good glow going on. So that's the thing. It's not immediate. It develops on your skin over time. After Lena leaves the tanning salon, she heads to a friend's house and grabs a bite to eat with her. They both have a glass of wine. Then Lena heads home around 11 p.m., where Adam had been home with the kids all night, and by the time Lena arrived home, he was already asleep. At 5 a.m. on November 7th, Adam wakes up to find that Lena isn't in their bed lying next to him. He said that he thought that she was maybe taking care of their youngest child. But an hour passes, he wakes back up, and she still isn't back in bed. So he gets up and looks for her. He walks into the bathroom and finds his wife slumped over a magazine rack and notices a pink 
frothy liquid all over the bathroom. He runs over to her, touches her back, and it's cold. This is never a good sign. He says he doesn't know what to do, he's shocked, but he sees her in this state and thinks that she's maybe been vomiting. Something is really wrong. And the room that she is in is a very small bathroom with only a toilet, a bidet, and this leather magazine rack. The first thing that he does is call his twin brother, Seth. Seth lives close by with his fiance, the two that are set to get married soon, and they get in the car and say they're on the way over. Next, at 6.10 a.m., Adam calls 911. Some people are suspicious of this sequence of events. Why not call an ambulance right then? But others argue in this state, Adam knew that he needed help and perhaps called his brother first so they could carry Lena to the car and drive her to the hospital themselves. Or it can be seen as stalling, buying time. It can go two ways. On the 911 call, Adam tells the dispatcher, that his wife is in the bathroom dying. She's on the floor dying. There's blood everywhere. There's something coming out of her mouth. She has marks on her neck. I don't know what happened. He gives Lena CPR on the phone, and the dispatcher notes that he does sound out of breath while performing the CPR, which is an indication that he was actually doing it. During the call, Adam's brother and his fiance arrive at the house, and then shortly after, police and EMTs arrive. They begin trying to intubate Lena and begin questioning Adam, as with any case like this, where a wife is found in such a suspicious position, the husband is going to be under a microscope. Adam tells police that Lena was over the toilet vomiting in that position when he found her, and EMTs and police do notice those marks on her neck as Adam mentioned in the 911 call. The marks on her neck look as though she had been strangled or something was wrapped around her neck. There seemed to be four marks, two on the left and two on the right side of her neck. EMTs attempt to help Lena, but are unsuccessful. It looks like it's too late for Lena. As they talk with Adam, police hear a sound coming from his car in the driveway. They touched the hood and it felt warm to the touch, as if someone had just driven it. They heard that tink-tink sound that car engines make as they try to cool after they have just been running. So wait a second. Had Adam been out that morning? And if so, why? And where would he have gone? And now a quick word from today's sponsors. We're back with Avery After Dark. So police question if Adam had been out before he called 911. They rush Lena to the hospital, and he then says that she was actually slumped over the magazine rack when he found her. Lena was pronounced dead at the hospital. Police wrote in their notes that Adam seemed calm at times. Other times he would be sobbing and incredibly upset. One officer stated that he did feel it seemed to be an act, like Adam was pretending. While at the hospital, those marks around Lena's neck were beginning to turn into bruises. So from looking at the case, this all looks really suspicious, and police are really eyeing Adam. But before they can do anything, they have to wait for the results of the autopsy report. And this takes 18 months. I have no idea why it took so long. This is a year and a half of waiting. All the while, Adam is repeatedly calling, wanting to know what happened to his wife. And authorities are saying... It's still undetermined, and they're waiting on test results, specifically the toxicology report. 
Also, in this time frame, actually one month after Lena died, something notable happens with Adam. He begins dating another woman named Farrah Kornblum. This looks pretty bad to pretty much everyone and the media. I don't care who you are or how a spouse died. Dating someone one month after their death is going to look like very poor character. Adam's brother claims that he was actually the one who pushed his brother to go out and date. Get out of the house, stop moping around. I personally don't understand this and find this so strange because, keep in mind, they had two kids at home who just lost their mother. So one month in, I would think your priority would be your children, helping each other through this profound loss, not going on dates, hitting the town. And all the while, Lena's death is being investigated. Adam and this woman supposedly carried on a relationship for a few months, two or three before things ended. Also during this 18-month time span, police are talking with Lena's friends about the marriage, what was going on around the time of her death. Were there any big arguments, fighting, issues? The only thing that Lena's friends brought to police was the fact that apparently Lena was pretty upset about the upcoming wedding and that she was not going to be able to walk with her husband down the aisle. Adam was set to walk down with the maid of honor, as is tradition, as he was the best man, so she was reportedly bummed out about that. That's all they really have to go on as far as issues between Lena and Adam, and it's really not a lot. Finally, a year and a half later, the examiner announces the cause of death in Lena Kaufman's case. Homicide from manual asphyxiation. And Adam is charged with the murder of his wife. For a lot of the public and media, this was a long time coming. But Adam was well off financially, so he had the ability to hire an extremely experienced team of attorneys. And their defense initially banked on this spray tan reaction theory. That was her first spray tan ever. She had to have had some kind of fatal reaction to it. But as this probably sounds to you right now, it was very far-fetched and didn't really land with anyone. The trial begins. The prosecution's theory was that he strangled Lena after a fight that night in the bathroom. Why? The prosecution said it was because he was having an affair with this woman he dated so soon after his wife's death. In some people's minds... The timing of his new relationship after Lena's death was suspicious, and some believed that, uh, this relationship had to have been going on before Lena's death. But the prosecution fails to show any kind of proof of the affair while Lena was still alive. The judge says, you can't refer to this as an affair with the jury when you have no proof that it was an affair, so they strike that from the record and move on. The woman that Adam dated, Farah, takes the stand. The prosecution brings her up and she basically says that from the beginning, Adam told her that he wasn't going to be emotionally there in the relationship. He was still in love with his wife. He didn't know how long it would take for him to get over his wife, etc., etc. And that's the reason why she ended it after a few months, because Adam wasn't emotionally there and she didn't know when he would be over his wife. That just died one month beforehand. So a little sidebar. Girl, you were surprised that the guy you were dating wasn't over his wife 
that had just died 30 days prior and was being investigated? That was a shock to this woman? Okay. And Adam telling this woman that he is not going to emotionally be invested in the relationship is just code for, we can still have sex and date though. The defense seemed to think that this testimony really worked in their favor and showed that Adam was still so sad over Lena's death. And I've listened to other documentaries on this case that align with that feeling, that Adam was still so distraught. It seems to be much more likely that Adam and this Farrah woman began dating and then saw the immense amount of backlash that they were getting in the media and then broke it off. Because the media did publicize their relationship and it looked bad. Throughout all this, one person that stood behind Adam throughout the entire ordeal was Lena's mother, Frida Aisman. There was talk that this was actually because Adam was financially supporting her, but she thoroughly stood behind him. During the trial, they bring up a string of experts, doctors, forensic pathologists, and no one can agree on a manner of death. One will say it was strangulation. Another says, no, it appears something happened and she fell onto the magazine rack, and that's what left those marks on her neck. Then another expert said, no, those marks were left by the EMTs when they were attempting to intubate her. That last one makes no logical sense to me, as Adam reported seeing those marks on her neck before the EMTs even arrived. But either way, no one is agreeing on anything up there. So obviously, this looks really messy to the jury when you have all these officials, quote-unquote experts, who are all up there going in a million different directions. There's no consistency. During her autopsy, they find a bit of her own blood and her own skin underneath her fingernails. This is thought to be because maybe she was gripping her own neck if she was being attacked, perhaps trying to get a rope or hands off of her neck. But this is such a small room, there's no other signs of a struggle in there, which there probably wouldn't be as there's nothing to really knock over. As I mentioned, it was a very small bathroom. But Lena was undressed when she was found, so the defense is like, hey, if there was this big struggle, there would be spray tan marks on the walls. And if there was this big fight, Adam would have scratch marks on him, but he didn't. The defense brings up the idea that Adam's car had recently been driven, as it was pinging and warm to the touch, as police noted. But they introduced the idea that they could have gotten Adam and his twin brother Seth confused for one another at the crime scene. And that warm car they touched could have been his brother's in the driveway, which would make sense as Seth had just driven over. This is not proven, but they introduced this theory. The police notes didn't specify which car, but this does plant doubt in the jury's minds. But arguably, the biggest point in this trial was when the defense brings up that during the autopsy, Photos of Lena's heart showed that she possibly had a heart issue. They said there was scar tissue found on her heart, and that leading up to her death, Adam said that she was actually having fainting spells. And they really run with this theory. Lena's mother, Frida Aisman, also testified that her daughter was having these fainting spells and she felt something was wrong with her daughter. Adam testified that Lena had fainted at home with their children, Other times the two would be out and she would fall over and Adam would have to catch her. Again, there was talk that Adam was financially supporting Lena's mother. And also this 
doesn't align with any evidence. There's no record of her seeking any help for this. She never went to a doctor for it. And that doctor that said she was in perfect health before her death, obviously there was no word of this. But Adam and Lena's mother said that they believed Lena was actually not as healthy as everyone thinks. My number one question here is, if this was such a glaring issue at the time, why not tell the EMTs and police about these fainting spells from the very beginning, as soon as police arrived to find Lena in that bathroom? Why was this not mentioned until now? And now another quick word from today's sponsors. We're back with Avery After Dark. So if Lena's having these fainting spells and they are as bad as they're saying, I mean, Adam is having to catch his wife as she is fainting in public as they're out shopping. I'd say that's pretty serious. Why not tell officials about this from the beginning? Tell police, EMTs, my wife is collapsed in our bathroom. The first thing you would think to tell them is, well, she's been fainting a lot lately. But that's not what happened. Adam pointed to the spray tan as the culprit in the beginning. But that didn't get traction with the public and the jury, so now it's this heart issue that is center stage. This doesn't make logical sense to me. And I'm not saying that something wasn't going on with Lena. It's very possible that she did have some kind of heart issue. But the timing of this doesn't make much sense to me. But this lends a hand to the defense's theory that Lena possibly fainted that night fell onto the magazine rack, and the magazine rack, I guess, strangled her. Again, I've never heard of anything like this in my entire life, because logically, that doesn't make sense to me either. Positional asphyxiation is possible, but I would think if you fell onto something like a magazine rack, there would be marks on the side of whichever was making the impact. But Lena had marks on both sides of her neck, four marks in total. With all of this information, in June 2012, the jury ultimately found Adam Kaufman not guilty of the murder of Lena Kaufman. They said that the medical testimonies created doubt and they couldn't find a motive. And I do see why. The prosecution, with all the time that they had to put together a strong case against Adam, they just didn't build a solid enough case at all. And you may be sitting there saying, well, there's no case to make. He didn't do it. And you may be right. Or you may be saying, he definitely did do it, but they just didn't find enough evidence. And you may also be right. All in all, I can't say that I am 100% in either direction, that Adam is guilty or innocent. I really lean toward there's something else being there. I feel like we have three-fourths of a puzzle in front of us with this case. There's just something missing here. The three most glaring issues that I have with this case is one... Logically, her death doesn't make sense to me, and I know that to this day, it doesn't make sense to a lot of people. Two, the fact that Adam was dating another woman one month out of the gate, that one still doesn't sit right with me. And three, the theory that Lena was having these so-called intense feigning spells, according to Adam, but this isn't brought up until years after the fact, you don't find the need to bring this up until you were on trial for your wife's murder? That doesn't add up to me either. The defense's theory that Lena somehow fainted and then strangled herself on a magazine rack seems so far-fetched to me. 
but there was just no solid physical evidence to tie Adam to it in the jury's eyes. All in all, I do pray for their children. They are older now, and I wish them the best. This had to be such a tragic loss for them. One parent gone and the other on trial. Very unfair for the children, ultimately. I would love to hear your thoughts and theories on this case. Do you believe the jury made the right call? Or do you think there is more to the story here? There almost always is. Until next episode, this is Avery After Dark.